As William Shakespeare wrote, all that glitters is not gold. In our case, it's not just gold, but platinum, even multi-platinum. Hi friends, it's Andriy Vasilenko and welcome to Metallic Geek, where we are over-analyzing our favorite band. The Black Album quickly received an iconic status. Seems like it has stood the test of time and now is considered an untouchable classic. But today I'll try to violate that. Despite being the album that got me into Metallica, there are things about it that scrabble my musicianship, so to speak. The Black Album does have many undisputable upsides. It is a solid, heavy record. So what I'm going to do today is basically criticizing the record that changed my life. Take it easy and enjoy the discussion. The general reason why the Black Album kinda sucks musically is that Metallica played too safe. Even on Load and Reload, they often did not play as safe as on the Black Album. If you pick the right tracks from Load and Reload, you might get a more brutal CD. Ironically, the same producer is responsible for both the safest and the riskiest Metallica albums. We should give Bob Rock credit for bringing Metallica to such a level at which no other metal band had been. But everything comes with a price. They stopped being a cutting-edge band in metal and instead became rather its promoters. Which may have been a fair trade though. Metallica did not invent anything new on the Black Album. They considered what's trendy at the moment, they took the best that worked before and doubled down on it. The accent was set on a strong main riff melody in the vocals and lead guitar, a solid groove in one tempo, and then wrap it all up in a live performance vibe. Everything was in a straightforward 4-4, except nothing less matters, minimum rhythmical deviations, like extra beat here and there, that we had on all previous records, not just Injustice for All. And 10 out of 12 songs were in the key of E minor, very progressive, right? It was so boring, so Bob Rock suggested to tune down two songs um, to basically hide it. Said but true to one step down and the god that failed half step down. Injustice for All might have pulled them so far up, so they bounced as far down. They were fed up with those complex, long songs that took too much energy on stage. Metallica had written songs in the 80s that could have fit the Black Album. In a way, those tracks predicted or hinted the new direction the band would eventually take. But still, almost each of the songs was more progressive than most of the stuff from 1991. Could have Metallica made a record as huge as the Black Album? but at the same time more inventive. Some sort of a middle ground, a link to Injustice for All. Or they could have followed the blueprints of Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets and released a more mature follow-up to them with Bob Rock's sound and promotion. What do you think? Since Sonics got shorter, more had to be done in order to fill up the CD. 
it is a best-selling record, so it's reasonable to suggest that all the songs are exceptional, right? And yet, some of them were not performed live for two decades. And even that might have not happened, had not Metallica played the album entirely for its 20th anniversary. The tours in support of the Black Album spanned for two years, with over 300 shows set around the globe. And yet, they could not find a spot for all the brand new songs. They did find time to fool around, though. That might imply that even Metallica themselves viewed some of the songs as just a filler in between the biggest hits. Well, James openly dissed Holder Than Thou, Through The Never and Don't Tread On Me in an interview from 2001. However, the songs have endured the test of time and they still kick ass. If you ask me, even what's considered the best stuff on the Metallica's latest album sounds bleak and forced compared to those filler songs from 1991. The older ones had stronger main riffs, smoother transitions and were better crafted in general. Not to mention amazing Kirk solos. Enter Sandman. And so Metallica went from yelling about outgrowing that f***ing lullaby to making basically a lullaby themselves in literally the next song. Turned out that they outgrew Thrash. Enter Sandman is such a hit and the riff is massive. And the song is neat in general. But the solo by the standards of that era is awful. In my opinion, it was the worst one that Kirk had done at the time. Every solo from those filler tracks beats that of Sandman any day of the week. Not to mention the absurd amount of wah. Nevertheless, we should thank Metallica for writing Enter Sandman. And Lars in particular. It was him who gave the riff its iconic shape, 3 plus 1, and who recognized the huge potential of the song, which Bob Rock failed to do. And by the way, it remains the only Metallica composition based on just one riff and its variations. All the other songs from the album, as well as Load and Reload, had at least one extra riff that was different. And there was only one track from before Sandman that partially utilized that approach. You guess it? I think no. It's Motor Breath. Its first half, intro, verse and chorus is basically just one riff and its variations. Enter Sandman was the album's lead single and people often judge a book by its cover. Its simplicity did work in favor of sales, but still the song does not perfectly represent the entire record. The Black Album does contain unusual, uh, inventive nuances here and there. And Sandman just happened to be... to be. We might consider it a musical sacrifice that set Metallica about the Carmen line. But there's another song I would like to rant about. One that could have been as huge as, say, Said But True, while remaining its cutting-edge value. One that could have kept a tradition Metallica adhered to on all the previous four albums. 
I'm talking about My Friend of Misery, a stillborn instrumental. We discussed it a couple years ago, and I still stick to my guns in thinking of My Friend of Misery as a, a song of a lost potential. My main piece of criticism was that the chorus was kind of terrible. It breaks the song's flow in many ways. Tonally, rhythmically, emotionally. It sounds like it was not supposed to be sung. And if you drop the vocals, the section turns into a cool, refreshing bridge slash mini breakdown. There is only one Metallica chorus that sounds even more irrelevant. While the rest of the song is badass, it's purified. Another song of a lost potential. My Friend of Misery is one of just seven Metallica tracks with an amazing melodic interlude. Plus, it has unusual instruments. This was one of two times James was using the B-Bender guitar alongside The Unforgiven 2. Did I forget anything? Ah, oh, yeah. The amazing bass line of Jason. For some reason, they dropped the developing part of the bass solo he played live. Perhaps they just could not fit it into the song. But then we have a guitar and bass doodle from Cunning Stunts, where it's complete and sounds great. Anyway, my point is that they could have found ways to go with the whole thing, especially if they had the goal of making an instrumental composition. But even if to keep the vocals, I'm sure it could have been better. Just change the fucking chorus. Well, they ignored the vocal version for two decades. And again, they has not played it again since that anniversary tour. So in that regard, we've got nothing to lose if it was an instrumental. The history does not know the subjunctive tense. But it's fun to speculate on why things did or did not turn out one way or another. Maybe we'll learn something from it. Alright, I hope you enjoyed this discussion and took it easy. Thanks for staying. It's Andriy Vasilenko. Being metal.